It's time for another episode of the Josh Cast. Josh Cast. So the composer of today's theme, um, his name is uh, Tim Richardson, and he's here with us. Uh, Tim, thanks for composing the theme for today's JoshCast. Really appreciate it. Um, it's, it's my pleasure. It's my absolute pleasure. I've been looking forward to composing this theme for, for some time. Right, and so first of all, a question. Where, uh, where, are, where are you from originally? I am from originally uh, the... Um, uh, how you say uh, the, uh, the Riverside, California? Okay, gotcha, gotcha. You have an you have an interesting uh, accent. Are your are your parents uh, from another country? No, no, no. They are not. They are from uh, the, how you say um, um, uh, also Riverside, California. Got it. Okay. Um, you know, I'm concerned that this sketch that we're kind of coming up with here in the moment is very similar to an Albert Brooks bit in uh, one of his movies, The Muse, where he was talking to somebody who had an accent and they turned out to just be from, from uh, America. And I'm worried that we're, we're treading on someone else's idea. I wouldn't concern yourself with these, these things. You cannot copyright an idea. You can only copyright the exact words. All right, well, uh, we'll just proceed then. Uh, so tell me, uh, how did you come up with the theme? Well, I trained uh, for several years with uh, the best classical composers. And I realized that I was merely imitating the styles of existing composers. And I needed to find my own voice. And what I discovered is that uh, everyone, when, when they compose, uh, music uh, for uh, for movies or just for themselves, they always use more than one note, and that is why I feel I must only use one note. So you're saying that the songs that you compose on, only have one note? Yes, that is that is that is exactly right. I see. Well, it, it sounds like it might get a little bit repetitive. This is very, very, it works quite well. I am uh, composing uh, the score for the new uh, Green Lantern movie. Very exciting to see uh, what happens there. Da. I'm the Green Lantern. I know who you are. I am Sinestro. I promise you, 
I will destroy your very existence using only the color yellow. And I promise you, Sinestro, using the power of green, I will thwart you. Hal, Hal, you can't do it. He'll destroy you. He'll kill you. I have no choice, Jessica. I have to go after him alone. This is something I was meant to do. It's my destiny. Hal, there's something you should know. I love you. Jessica, I love you too. Hal, before I go up, uh, need you to uh, actually fill out these forms. What? What? What do you mean? What forms? Well, you applied for one of those um, real IDs, uh, California driver's license, so that you won't have to, uh, when you go to the airport, you won't have to take two forms of identification. But since you recently moved, you need to now fill out a, an amendment form and give uh, proof of uh, your new uh, place of residence. Can this wait until after I get back from fighting Sinestro? Well, I mean, there's a due date on it. If you want to get, you know, otherwise you're going to have to have two forms of ID. I have a feeling that movie's not quite going to deliver as promised. I do not agree with you. I think it's going to be quite, quite a phenomenal film. Right. Well, uh, listen, thanks for, you know, thanks for dropping in. Thanks for showing us a preview of uh, the new movie. And uh, thanks for quelling my fears that that this sketch was a little bit too close to an Albert Brooks scene in a movie. Uh, Thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. Well, that happened. And... uh, uh, we gotta, we gotta make, we gotta make do. We gotta move forward with this podcast. Um, you know, I've, I don't know. I've, I've really been, I've been thinking about this a lot today because I'm. It's, it is a Saturday, which means, which this is what it, that means. Um, everybody has their dogs with them. That's what that means. It's Saturday. We're gonna take our dogs with us everywhere, and uh, I. Uh, I'm really torn on uh, how I feel about domesticated animals because on the one hand, I feel like we are enslaving animals. Like I saw this one, uh, I think it was a couple or a group and they had a dog and the dog had a muzzle and they're trying to explain to their friends the plan with the dog. And they're saying, well, the dog just needs more structure. The dog needs more structure. That's all there is to it. The dog needs structure. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, in the wild, dogs are a pack mentality. They work cooperatively in groups. In the wild, they have structure. They're nailing it on structure. You throw 10 dogs into the wild, they'll form a pack, figure out a hierarchy, 
go on a hunt, they'll survive. You throw, you know, 10 people from North Hollywood into the wild, they'll be dead in an hour. Two of them will kill each other. One of them won't have Wi-Fi and will just commit suicide. Structure is not the problem. I think the problem is that the dog is having trouble conforming to your structure. And by your structure, I mean the structure of a person living in an urban environment with a relatively sedentary lifestyle. Trying to take an animal who is designed to be a carnivore and to cover a wide range of territory and to own territory. That's the dog's mentality. I think, I believe they are territorial by nature. And their instinct is, I need to amass a territory, find a mate, get a pack, move forward. And I think their structure does not align with your structure, which is, I need to get a graphic design job, hopefully meet a girl, maybe we have a kid, perhaps we move to San Bernardino, where the houses are a little bit more affordable. Structure is not the issue. I think the uh, alignment of two disparate structures is the issue. Let's be clear about that. Well, I, you know, listen, I'm sorry I uh, haven't been in touch much. I, I apologize. I've been just busy. No, no, well, listen, it's great that, uh, it's great that you're here. I'm glad we were able to, you know touch base and then get you out here and I you know this is the first time this is the first time you've seen our house yeah it's it's very nice yeah we like you know we like it and you know at first we thought San Bernardino was gonna be a little far away but it's it's a nice area you know uh, good schools it'll be good yeah it will be it'll be great it uh oh okay hi there's a uh, dinosaur rat uh, dinosaur sitting over there oh, d- d- yeah, yeah yeah it's our pet you have a pet dinosaur that's right. Velociraptor. You have a pet Velociraptor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know that was... Uh, I, I, uh, okay, a lot of questions here. Um, first of all, can, um, it's, it's looking right at me. Uh, first, first of all, her name is she. She's very nice. She's very nice. It's Audrey Hepburn. That's her name. You, you named the Velociraptor Audrey. Okay. All right. Great. Secondly, don't worry, okay? Don't worry. This Velociraptor is tame. Do you want to know how? I, I, you know, I don't want to be in the same room with a Velociraptor. Well, okay, that's just narrow-minded, okay? I'm going to tell you how we, we tame this raptor, okay? We did it through structure. It needed structure. We gave her structure. She lives a very structured life. Every day... Six in the morning, we wake her up, usually with tasers. You, you, okay, that's, see, I can see the, I can see the plotting the revenge in her eyes right now. I really, I really don't feel comfortable. Can we maybe, can we go out? Don't, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. She get she, she appreciates the taser. She appre, she appreciates the taser. Do you know what you're saying? Are you hearing yourself right now? She appreciates the taser. No creature appreciates tasers. I mean, there might be a few, I don't know. I mean, unless she's into S&M. You're pausing when I say that she's into S&M. I don't want to, uh, 
I don't want to go there. I don't want to have that part of the conversation. I don't want to know how deep things are running with Audrey Hepburn over here. Uh, but I feel very uncomfortable, and I want... There's a structure. Just watch this. Watch this. Hey, Audrey. Hey, Audrey. Hey, Audrey Hepburn. Hey, hey, Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. Fetch us some lemonade. Watch. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Audrey. Yes. Do you, do you see? Do you see? She made the lemonade herself. No, she didn't. She didn't make... Yes, she did. No, she didn't. This is... I'm telling you. This is an island of Dr. Moreau's scenario. At any second, this is going to go bad. She's going to rip out your jugular vein. She's, it's, she's fine. She's happy with her life. She's happy. She, she's happy doing the dishes and, you know, watching the kids when we're gone. She, you've, you've, you've turned her into your maid. That's not what she's designed to do. You know, she, she understands everything we're saying right now. Oh, she does? Audrey Hepburn, listen. When it goes too far and you rebel, please know this was never my idea. I'm on your side. I think this is wrong. Uh, you know, if you need legal aid, please come to me. Uh, I was not on board with this. Do you need help right now? I don't, you know, tap your, tap your claw against the hardwood floor three times if you need help right now. All right, so that's, uh, that's my take. That's my hot take on animals. That's why I like cats more. There's that sense of that less dependence. Although I just watched uh, part of this documentary that was saying that actually cats do have to depend on human beings because they can no longer digest uh, food in the wild. They can't digest bones and stuff. They have to, they, we've, we've ruined cats. They can only eat cat food. But what I like about cats is that even though they still depend on us, they still act like they don't. And that my friends, is courage. The fact that the cat will play poker with you and just keep telling you, I can leave whenever I want. I don't need you. I don't need you. I can leave whenever I want. When deep down it knows, I, uh, I suck at hunting. Woof. I think the cat's game plan is that it will leave you and then find somebody else and then pretend to love that person for long enough to get food and then treat that person the way they treat... You know, cats enter into relationships the same way humans enter in relationships. They are just as dysfunctional as we are, and I love them for it. They use people. And they know... You know, I feel like they know it, too, even when they're being cute. I feel like the cat's saying, I know you think I'm cute, and there's nothing you can do. I've got you. I've got you, you weak, pathetic piece of garbage. I have you in my clutches. I have you in my claws. Watching a guy driving a Ferrari as he zooms past. I assume it's a guy. Could be a woman. Ferrari, muscle car. It's a muscle car. It looks sleek. It looks mean. It looks sexy. I actually wonder if he gets women with that car. 
if that was the purpose of getting the car, to get women. I actually wonder that. Is that the purpose of the car, to get women? And does that work? Are there some women who go for the car? I've heard the phrase, chicks dig the car, man. Chicks did the car. Chicks, man, they dig the car. Really, do they? Here's my theory. They may dig the car. But if they don't dig you, the newness of the car wears off. I stayed with your father for 17 years. We were living together in Riverside. And all my friends asked me, why did you stay? Why did you stay with him? Because they knew I didn't love him and he didn't love me. They asked me, did you stay for the sake of the children? Did you stay because you felt you had to conform to societal norms? And I told them all the same thing. I told them the God's honest truth. I stayed with that man because of his car. I loved him for his car. And that's usually when my friends would get confused. And they'd say, You mean you love him for his 1979 Mercury Marquis? And I'd say, Yes, for that car exactly. And they would say, we're a little confused. Our understanding was that the 1979 Mercury Marquis was a mid-sized family car, hardly a luxury model, not very reliable, not particularly distinctive in terms of its appearance. Why do you love that car? And I would tell them, to quote Woody Allen, the heart wants what it wants. And Lord knows, I can't understand why. But when as soon as I saw that 1979 Mercury Marquis in its aqua blue color, and as soon as I started that car, and it didn't start, and so I tried to start it again, and it didn't start, and then I tried to starting it a third time, and it didn't start, and I tried starting it a fourth time, and it didn't start, and I tried starting it a fifth time, and finally it started, and I started to drive it, and I drove it a couple of blocks, and as I was making a left turn, it suddenly died, and luckily I was able to coast into the shopping center where I was going, because if I had been going any less fast, I would have been T-boned by the oncoming diesel truck. In spite of all of that, I love that car. And that is why I stayed with this man for as long as I did. Until he got rid of the car. And as soon as he did, he got rid of my soul. And I left him. I'll always remember that car. I'll always remember that car. And the song I used to play, whenever I would drive that car, I'd pop it into the tape deck every single time goes a little something like this. Dang.